0: Let's think about this. How much money do you think the average, you know, 25, 26, 27-year-old blows per month? Easy, easy, 500 If you put $500 away a month for a year, you got six racks at the end of the year. You spend that on Hennessy, the club, fast food, buying shoes and clothes that you don't really need. You spend it miscellaneously. So instead of spending it, just save it.
1: This episode of the Tide Capital Millionaire Podcast is brought to you by Black America, Inc., a Trillion Dollar Nation by A.R. Morton. Black America Inc. is a piece of literature that details and illustrates the socio-economic solutions that Black Americans can implement in their communities today. Whether it be being captains of our own industries, creating our own political parties, or just learning how to strengthen our overall health and wealth, Black America Inc is what Black Americans and Americans in general need to get to the next level in 2017 and beyond. For too many years we have been talking about the problems and not the solutions. For too many years we have been pointing fingers at each other without talking about the solutions. This is why Black America Inc. is important. If you're ready to build yourself up and rebuild your community, head on over to Amazon.com and order your copy of Black America Inc., a trillion dollar nation. My name is Andre C. Hatchett, a.k.a. Mr. Own or Be Own, and I'm encouraging everybody listening to this podcast to pick up my new book, Own or Be Owned, The Black Man's Guide to Wealth Creation in America on Amazon.com. If you're a black man, if you need guidance, inspiration, a path, a path to follow, to build wealth in this country, pick it up. Own or Be Owned, The Black Man's Guide to Wealth Creation in America. Welcome to the Todd Capital Millionaire Podcast with your host, Charles Oglesby III, aka Todd Millionaire.
2: This is the Todd Capital Millionaire Podcast. This is episode 38. Y'all, my name is Charles Oglesby, also known as Todd Millionaire. You guys all know me and the founder, director of the Todd Capital Investment Club that now has over 200 members. Also the founder of Todd Acquisitions, which is our real estate firm, and Todd Ventures, which is our crowdfunded venture capital firm. We're buying something in the next 90 days. I can promise you that. Thank you all for tuning in. The purpose of this podcast is to share the successful stories of African-American investors and business owners so that people can see that business and investing are the keys to financial success and generational wealth. With us today, we have Mr. Kadeem Wells. Um, He is a real estate investor from Southern California. Um, He'll tell you more about himself, but um, I was just on Instagram and he was talking about all the things he's accomplished in such a short amount of time. So I wanted to get him on here to show people that it's possible, man. That's the real point of this show is to show you that it's possible so you can go out there. You can do the same exact thing in different areas of the country um, and hopefully improve your lives, the life of your family, and, and just improve the entire community. So welcome to the show, man. Welcome. How you doing? I appreciate you for having me on, my man. So can you tell us um, a little bit about who you are and um, what you've done so far?
0: All right. Well, my name is Kadeem Wills. I'm from Inglewood, California. i born and raised here in Los Angeles. So I spent the majority of my life here. I went off to college, went to Atlanta. Um, Originally started off in Phoenix, though, at Grand Canyon University. But I realized that the population uh, did not suit those like myself Mm. uh, and many of us. So I decided to transfer to Morehouse, which is where I really, really wanted to go coming out of high school. However, unfortunately, a lot of our admissions department or college counselors, you know, they don't encourage us to go to HBCUs because of the funding. So that's why I went off to to Phoenix, you know, because I still wanted to play basketball. was still chasing that dream. Then I realized, you know, that's not going to happen. That's when I made that transfer to Morehouse. And that actually was the best decision I made in my life. Um, Being down there, being in that culture, really showed me what a man should be. That's where I learned how to dress, where I learned how to speak, um, where I learned how to write. Mm -hmm. And being in that environment really showed me what I can do. Um, However, as you're talking about investing, I learned none of that there. Um, I think a lot of us, we don't learn how to invest, learn how to save our money. You know about real estate and taxes, we don't really learn that in college, per se. Um, so once I got out of college, I started working for Los Angeles County for our, what is called Department of Social Services, which is helping families who need, you know, aid. So cash assistance, uh, food stamps, and things of that nature. After about eight months of doing that, I realized there was something more out of life than just, you know, just clocking in at the job. So a friend of mine actually put a post out on Facebook about selling her house. Now at this time, it's 2013, it's actually around this time in 2013 in October. And I was already thinking, okay, once I get my hand on some money, start a career, I want to buy my mama a house. Who doesn't mm-hmm. want to do that? That made me look. And when I sent her a message like, hey, put me on, what's going on? What you mean you sold a house? I mean, we 23, 24 years old, how did you buy a house? So she said her and her best friend had sold their duplex, Mm -hmm. sent me to her agent. He started to educate me on what I can buy, letting me know all I needed was a first time home buyer loan, which was 3.5% of the down payment. And that's how I really got started. So I was able to buy my first property in February of 2014, right before my 25th birthday, which is February 20th. And that was basically my gift to myself. And from then on, that's where I really, really started to open my eyes and look into investing. So as I started doing more research on YouTube, I came across a, a guy named Jake Morrison and I was really attracted to his swag, and how he uh, conducted himself, what he represented. I enrolled in his online academy and that is where I started to search through his Instagram followers and networking and talking to people and started talking to a lady in Detroit. And that's where me and a friend of mine, we bought properties out there and that's where the investment game took off. In. And then on this, I had my property out here in LA in Watts and then um, had the properties in Detroit. And the same friend that got me into real estate is who got me into the finance industry, moved over to helping families with investments. So learning how to invest in the stock market, learning about the proper life insurance, basically how to put money away, how to build it up. And after doing that part-time, I decided to go full-time so I could really build a business. You know, get your income, getting those investment licenses. Uh, And by doing that, I'm able to do the same thing that, you know, the good old boys do on Wall Street. However, I'm here to bring that uh, income, to bring that financial market to those in the middle class and especially my community. So that's the biggest thing I'm focusing on right now is helping families uh, invest. You know, learn how to put money away for retirement, giving them financial game plans, showing them how to buy real estate. I still do a little bit of that. I actually just went to the Damon Johns uh, entrepreneurship um, event he had in Long Beach. We enrolled in a real estate course there just to get in the swing of things of wholesaling. So me and my spouse, um, she's going to attend that just to do that on the side still, because that's the number one thing is knowing how to get into these properties, knowing how to find investors. So that's what I'm really on right now is building my assets, um, educating my family, and building something for our community, man, because it's not taught. And for me, educating those in my neighborhood in Inglewood, where we come from, yeah, it's changing right now. neighborhood but with this football stadium coming in then you have Steve Ballmer trying to put this uh, NBA rent in for the Clippers so a lot of gentrification is going on right now and you know I, the more that goes up with inflation the less it is of us in our neighborhood and it's changing it's really changing but for me it's, it's been on top of that that's a real reason why I enrolled in that real estate course I know how to buy real estate but understanding that networking is everything i um, picking up on wholesale deals. is something that I really wanted to add, you know, to my assets. So I decided to do that. And right now we're just the movement of, of entrepreneurship and building and growing and maintaining assets, man. That's the biggest thing, especially as a young black man coming from, from the hood. They don't believe we can do that. So yep. getting these licenses, the series six, the 63 and the 26, that's a big thing because yep. our culture is not known for that. So for me, that's what I really wanna bless my neighborhood with is giving them, you know, those keys. And that's my main focus right now.
2: So I have a few questions. There's a lot in there. What, what did you see the difference in cultures between where you were and then where, where you went in, in regards to the university in Phoenix, then where you went to Morehouse?
0: Well, at, in Phoenix, um, it's not that many black people. Yeah. Heck, I celebrate Martin Luther King's birthday. Yeah. So then out there, it wasn't that many African-Americans. There were a few on my team. Mm -hmm. You know, um, one of my best friends that I met for life, his name is Aaron, he's from Chicago, he was out there. Another one of my boys, Cam, who's from Phoenix, um, he lives out there still. And I met a couple other good friends, but the culture is very, very different because there aren't that many of us out there.
2: No. Okay,
0: so, already two, literally two days on campus, I was like, okay, this is gonna be different. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not much to do in Phoenix. They don't even have a magic mountain at Disneyland. they don't have anything but the movie theater now they have a little bit more uh i've heard they built a little bit more but it wasn't much to do and it was boring man i'm just keeping 100 it was boring what i've
2: seen though is i've seen that i think that these hbcus empower people to do great things
0: right right that's the one thing that really helped me out being down in atlanta because at morehouse we have this thing called crown forum Every week, uh, you know, a uh, top entrepreneur, African-American would come in. So Matthew Johnson came through, you know, Spike Lee went there. So he's came. he came through to talk to us a little bit. Um, we also had other big time people that were big during the civil rights movement, um, people who were making an impact in philanthropy that probably aren't known globally or around the US, but make a big impact in Atlanta. So that was something that was real big for me, uh, seeing, you know, African-American men be successful, cause for me, I come from a family where we have no fathers. I was the first to go to college, the first to, you know, buy a home, you know, for myself. We had a home in the family, but we lost it due to back tactics that my grandmother had since man the 1960s. Um, so for me, right now, being in that environment was a true blessing, and being in the sports journalism uh, department that allowed for me to go to Atlanta Hawks games. Uh, Arthur Blank, the owner of the Falcons, a lot of guys that. Work for ESPN, Michael Wilbon came through. Um, I don't know if you remember watching first Take when the guys, the brothers of the two live students, they were on there. Quite a few people.
2: The thing that I've also realized is like, just the the culture, not just at the university, but in Atlanta is a lot different. And I've told people this before, like it's it's just way different, especially for like young African-American people. As opposed to when you go to Atlanta, you see like black millionaires, you see black wealthy people, you see black families, black schools that are thriving and doing well.
0: Man, down there, their people really come through. So at that time, I went off, to, I transferred in 2008. So this was when, you know, T.I. had his case going on. So he had just like gotten out, you know, a um, young jock. This is when he was hot. He would roll through Gucci man. So their superstars actually rolled through the neighborhood. Yeah. So Ludacris has his own day out there for the school where he have a celebrity basketball game, which is really, really popping. You know, of course, Homecoming is off the chain. It's what is called the AUC, which is Spellman, Clark, and Morehouse together. They'll do different Homecoming events. Yeah, you'll see the Rolls Voices, you know, the Bentleys rolling through down there like it's like it's normal. And that really was, you know, something big to see because celebrities really do roll through versus out here, you got Hollywood. And plus right now, they you know, they're taking over at the black capital as far as in the movie industry for black films. So. Black Hollywood really is out in Atlanta now.
2: Let's talk about the Jay Morrison Academy. It's one thing to learn about real estate through the books. It's another to take that academy. What did you learn in the academy? Um, do you think that you were able to become more knowledgeable and experienced in regards to like strategy through that academy?
0: He, he definitely gives you insight on different ways to move forward, um, especially with things like wholesaling, um, being able to buy a property. The, the small things, knowing that you only need a FHA, okay? Knowing that, you can, you know, get a business loan or get a loan loan, um, to purchase properties and things of that nature. Um, The biggest thing I took from it though, was credit. Now coming out of school, of course I had student loans and I knew if you, you know, pay your stuff on time, you be able to get some credit. But what I learned there is to keep your, your credit cards under 30% and those monthly payments, that's what the credit bureaus wanna see you do. It's not about how much you pay on them each month. Um, you can pay the minimum. They just wanna see you make those payments. But when you keep it under 30%, so if you got a thousand dollar credit card, don't spend over 300, okay? And when let's say you spend 200, pay 50 on the monthly, pay it down, they see you making the payment, then of course you can cash it out if you want to. Mm-hmm. so with that that's where i really learned how to, to manage my credit mm-hmm. um you know people have different philosophies with that some people say keep it under 30 percent some people say just pay it off each each month i think both of them work yeah you know so either way it goes right now that's what i've been able to do understanding um the tax implications understanding that when you are in business um you get those tax write-offs so that came out big i'm really big on that saving all my receipts yeah. um, and another key thing is when you're a real estate agent or working in real estate or working for yourself, lease a car, do not buy. Why? You can write off that car note. Yeah. You know, a lot of people don't know that. So everything that comes with your car, your car insurance, your maintenance, the car note, you know, when you lease it, you get to write all those things off. So that's the biggest thing I learned is that part uh, Going the difference between that 1099 and the W2. So for me, that that was the biggest thing I took away. Tax write off, um, well I
2: should say taxes and hold and credit. Cool. So, going now, I want—I kind of want to talk about that—that that first property that you bought. Was that a duplex or a single-family home?
0: Um, it looks like a single-family, but it's actually four units. Really? Four units. Yeah, it looks like a single-family because of the way it was built. It was originally a single-family home, but I guess the previous owners who had it before the previous owners who had it before me—I guess they, you know, added on to it over time. But it's actually four units in there.
2: Nice. That's- well, nice and so you had tenants in there were you living in one of the units or did you just have it fully occupied by tenants it was
0: fully occupied by tenants
2: and so was it producing positive cash flow
0: it was um based on how la goes you pay the water bill like every two months so one month i make a profit one month i wouldn't get much profit however if you look at it in the whole for a year i was getting about five to six hundred a month yeah. a year, month by month so that's pretty decent cash flow but the biggest thing with it is you know when you own a property you can get cash flow or you could basically buy and hold you know for the equity to increase
2: before i put you on the show i wanted to get some questions from the audience as well so somebody said how did you get that initial down payment man i saved mm-hmm. um
0: coming from my environment i saw my mom struggle a lot saw my family blow a lot of money you know coming from the hood you know you got a lot your homies your relatives, you know, they're in the streets, you know, making their money the way that they make it. So growing up, I always had that mindset of that I didn't want to live that lifestyle. So I knew once I was able to make some legit money to start saving. So once I got out of school and I, and I finally got on with LA County, I told my mom, you know, the way that you've been able to survive since I've been gone, stick with that I'm gonna start saving. So, you know, I can get us a house. Um, so I started putting away money, man. Just started saving a thousand a month. Yeah, start saving. I, I will buy some, a couple of things like some Jordans and whatnot, but I wouldn't go spend money on unnecessary things because I understood that, you know, everybody's not living that life they said, they live in whether it's Snapchat. <laughs> yeah.
2: Not
0: really living it, man. Yeah. For me to be secure and be okay with that, to understand that people on social media make it look good they make it look good but you got to understand the bigger goal you got to think long term not short term so for me i was thinking okay i'm gonna go buy this house um because i thought you needed thirty thousand dollars to buy a house like i'm like how do you do this until i got educated on fha Mm -hmm. so by the time my friend made that post i said i had about eight thousand saved and then from then on i got the house in february so with those two months we looked for a property and i had two more months to save so uh, the first down payment I only need the three point five percent. So it was about ten thousand six hundred I had to put
2: down. Nice. And so after you put down that ten thousand, you got the keys, then where did you go from there? Did did it already have tenants in it? Did you have to find tenants? Did you have to rehab the property?
0: There was one tenant in there and one tenant was already moving. Once I finally got the keys, it was a whole new ball game. You know, I had to look around a little bit, you know, clean up. And from then on, that's when the journey began of understanding what to do. So, you know, my family helped me clean out the units, you know, clean it up a little bit, get a couple of things fixed um, within the properties as far as each unit. You know, from then on, um, you know, I started putting out the notices to get tenants. So I worked through Christmas with that and was able to fill up my properties that way.
2: Do you still own that property today?
0: No, that is actually the property uh, that I sold. That I that last post I made on my Instagram that you commented on. That's I, I sold that back in February. Nice. I just haven't
2: posted it, so I decided to post it. You know, a couple months later. So did you uh, did you make some money on uh, on the back end on the appreciation?
0: Yeah, the, the, I bought it for three oh four and sold it for three sixty. So nice. I came roughly about uh, fifty thousand.
2: Nice. And so then, what did you do with that money? You did you put that towards another dealer?
0: Actually, since I got my investment license, I put most of it uh, in a mutual fund just to let it sit, let it sit for a couple years.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, so right now I'm just building with with the business, focusing on that. So I was able to put that money away. So now I'm just reloading on my business building up. And from now on, just to let it sit and, you know, I don't necessarily need it right now per se, you know, unless it was a big emergency um but for for now just strictly focusing on my business letting that money sit because and the bank is not making any money that's why we got to get that education on how money works man because we are not getting anything from the bank and to put real estate as far as that part of investing to put investments as far as stocks bonds and mutual funds understanding that being able to put it together is a real big thing because when you're investing, you can bypass the bank and go straight to, you know, the stock market yourself. And the beautiful thing about what I was able to do is by getting those investment licenses, I was able to invest my own money. Instead of a, another broker getting paid off my investment, I paid myself, basically. I got paid off my own investment. When you manage money, you're getting a residual income from that. You're getting paid off that each and every month. So if I don't need to touch my money for three, four five years, paid off that for the next three to four or five years. Wow. So in my business, as I make more money and build up and continue to put money away, I'm gonna get paid off my own money for the rest of my life. That's crazy. As I continue to help other clients invest, as I build those assets under management, I'm gonna get paid off that forever. The beautiful thing about what I do and working through my company um, with Primerica, we get to work through Invesco and Leg Mason and Lincoln Financial. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Between what I do versus a Morgan Stanley or Bank of America, those employees, they're just employees that's not their book of business that book mm-hmm. belongs to the bank and to morgan stanley to voya whatever investment company those invest those investments belong to the company you don't own that book of business so once you retire after working your job as a stockbroker for 30 40 years you only walk away with your retirement mm-hmm. you know unless you pulling a wolf of wall street move and you know stealing yeah. money other than that you know that's the beautiful thing about what i do and how our company works is because i get to own this book of business for the rest of my life
2: and so you have the ability to sell insurance stocks bonds all that stuff we don't do individual stocks
0: we uh, help clients get into mutual funds because with a stock you're investing in one company so let's say you bought in the apple or nike if apple or nike crashes you lose everything hmm. i want a stock market crash in what oh seven oh eight a lot of people cost a lot of money in their retirement but that's why you got to diversify you got to have money saved at your job and you got to have money saved outside of your job. The thing is though, a Morgan Stanley and the bank, they're not gonna educate you on how these investments work. Morgan Stanley, they're not even gonna have a conversation with you and I. With me, I can help that single mom, you know, that that family who as a total income might only bring in 50,000. I can help them put away 50 bucks a month for their kid to go to college and show them that, hey, do you know the average rate of return in the mutual fund is 10 to 12% and it's been that way since 1924? They don't know that. They don't know what the rule of 72 is that Albert Einstein came up with that teaches you how your money's gonna double. You know, over the course of 10 to 15 years, you're getting a 12% return, your money's really gonna double every six years. Those are small little things that Morgan Stanley isn't gonna teach your family. Dollar cost averaging, meaning putting away 50 bucks a month. Understanding that if you invest every month into this mutual fund, your money's gonna grow even when the market drops, why? Because when the stock market drops, it's just like when a Foot Locker has a shoe sale. Well, we selling Jordans for $100. With 100 bucks, you only get one pair of shoes, right? But if they got them on sale at 50% off, with 100 bucks, you can buy two pair of Jordans. Yep. That's how the market works. When the market drops, that's the best time to buy. So when the housing market crashed in 2008, Uh, When the stock market crashed in 2008, everybody got scared, pulled their money out. What what did the rich and the wealthy do? They said, oh, that's a good thing. Let me buy everything, because why it's on sale? Yep. Market shot right back up in 2009. They made a whole lot of returns. Yep. Our people aren't educated on that, so they don't know. They pull out, they get scared. It's no, leave your money in there, let it grow over time. Because if the market didn't fluctuate and it didn't go back up, we'll still be stuck in the Great Depression. But we're not, we still living, people still becoming millionaires, people are still getting rich, people still taking care of their families. So at the end of the day, it's about educating our families on what's going on because like I said, these other major companies, they're not going to have a conversation with us and they're not going to educate us. The thing is, they don't educate the rich and the wealthy on how to invest. They just tell them, hey, you know this, this mutual fund, this stock is doing so well, move your money over here. And then when it drops, they go find another fund. Hey, move your money over here. Well, if you making a million, two million dollars a year, you got money, so you're not really thinking anything about it. But this stockbroker is getting paid on the back end every time they move your money, they get a commission. So if I'm steady moving three hundred thousand, four hundred thousand dollars of somebody's money, they steady getting paid off that a nice hefty commission. But what the client doesn't know is that's a sales charge. So when you move three hundred thousand to another fund, you have you get charged on that you know, the charge might be 5%. So you invested 300,000, but they charge you 5%. So you let that money sit for a year, then you move it again, They go another charge.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, they don't even educate them on that, but when you are making millions and millions, you steady got money coming in. So it's not a big deal to them, but that's the basic thing it is, is educating our families on what we can do. And that's what I enjoy the most, you yeah. know, versus, you know, being behind the desk at a nine to five, which is nothing wrong with that because that's your jumpstart. You know, now I'm just in that phase of building. And um, when I decided to walk away from my job, it was about building for me, understanding how this money game works. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter who's president. It doesn't matter what's going on with politics. It doesn't matter what's going on in that kind of, people are
2: still getting wealthy. I 100% agree. I think that um, if anything is to be done for us, it'll be by us. Um, I think that's the only way that you can have the purest intention. You have somebody who's legit looking out for that person because they care about them. I always say, like, your grandma looks like my grandma. So it's like, I'm not going to try to get over on you. It's like we all come from the same place.
0: Right. And that that's what you just said is real big because, especially in the black community, man, we do not support one another. <laughs> I don't understand what it is. Um, we got a lot of pride, a lot of jealousy, you know, in our community. That's the one thing that we got to change. Um, we just got to start keeping it 100, man. And yeah. even when you look at, if you look at what's going on with the NFL right now, Think about this. What if all of them were, you know, bold enough to do what Kaepernick did and say, you know what, I'm going to do it for the people and not for the money. You think these billionaires and millionaires will really feel the way that they feel right now? Because you can't tell me the NFL can go on without black athletes. You can't tell me.
2: You know what the crazy part about that thing, and I was saying, like, the opposite. You see the solidarity amongst the owners. Right. The owners all said, we're not picking up Kaepernick. Like, right. it wasn't like one or two people like, oh, man, I got to do it. I got to do it. He's a good athlete. We need a quarterback. They're willing to let their team go down. Right. Not pick up caper we're not willing to say, you know what, I don't need the check.
0: And that's the, that's the crazy part because, you know, everybody's entitled to their belief. Everybody's entitled to take care of their family. If they would really think, what's controlling you, the money, or are you going to do it for your people? Because at the end of the day, the NFL and the NBA for sure cannot move without – Us. So if they were to, like you said, become um, solidified and join, you know, in solidarity and say, you know what, we're going to strike or we're going to take a ban for for a cause, that can bring about great change, man, because they have the power to do it. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, they got to do what they have to do for their family. But when you think about that, they have the power to do it. If they all wanted to walk away and protest, they could, man
2: i think that uh, i was watching jay morrison today and he was talking about like you have to position yourself to do things that elevate you right that you have to take that cash that you're getting from your job and instead of balling out with that cash you position that cash so that then if you run into some stuff on the job because i mean the nfl is one thing people go through stuff on their job every day but they right. walk they have to tolerate it. they have to sit through it because they don't have their finances together Right. So even on a small scale like what are you doing now like are you buying a property are you buying a business are you buying something that's going to generate cash flow so you can live your life so that you have strength you have power you can you can speak truth to power without saying you know what I gotta feed my family man
0: it's amazing that you said that because i actually have if you look on my post i made a post a couple of weeks ago i got a boy who um i grew up with he played basketball he's on the Cowboys right now. I haven't spoken to him in a while, but I went to the game, you know, because I was in L.A. Uh, he's with the Cowboys right now. And I got another homie. He hasn't really made a roster, um, but he's been on a couple of training camp teams. And I asked him, I said, dude, do they educate you guys about finances? And he said, not really, just a one-day seminar at the Rookie Symposium. You know, they bring someone in who's been successful. They tell them, save your money, stay away from the women, don't go splurging. And then you got someone who, did bad with their money, and they basically telling you know don't do what I did. But there's no financial education, so you gotta think these dudes twenty twenty one getting their hand on shoot what let's even just say it's ten thousand a game. I mean that's forty grand a month. You know they blowing it. They pay their rent or they mortgage, buying stuff for their homies, flying across the city, flying across the state. They don't really have an education on it, um, so they they they're not prone to think, let me buy investment properties, let me build other businesses. Now with that though, LeBron has changed that as far as the the mindset of most athletes, because what he's been able to do is amazing, bringing his boys in, you know, starting their own infrastructure and allowing for his guys to be educated, to come in and take over. So when he made it, start getting his money, sent them to school, they got educated, came on professionals. He let all his staff go, put his boys in the game, and now they got an empire going. And they're really changing the culture when it comes to black athletes being educated on their finances, educated on being businessmen. So, you know, with that, that's why he's really moved into becoming like my, my role model as far as, you know, caring himself, because he's never gotten in any trouble. Yeah. Very solid. And has really built up a great profile to, you know, be the leader of our generation. So I really respect him a lot for that. A couple of things that I even went over with my with my boy who's, you know, trying to get on, I just asked him, do they teach you any of these things about how to invest? Flat out said no. So a lot of these guys, they just they're misguided. You know, these agents could be snakes. And it's just every man for themselves when it comes to it. So that's why it's really big for me. I really want to be educated in this field and understand you know, to the max of what they need to learn, what I need to learn, to be able to be that voice for them, to understand that, hey, you, this is someone that you can really sit and talk with and understand that I'm gonna show you what to do, what's best for you and your family and not just give you a bunch of BS.
1: This is Ken Morse, the CEO and founder of Multibex, the private equity investment firm and the creator of the brand lord of my land, the alpha gentleman entrepreneur. And I am a proud supporter of Todd Capital. You can find me on Instagram at Lord of My Land and at the Lord Ken.
2: I think that's huge. Um, that LeBron comment. I mean, everything he's doing is awesome. I think that one thing that's really cool about what LeBron did is he positioned his friends to not only work with him but to work with other athletes. It's not just like oh, I'm security for LeBron. It's like no, like I have my own company, which also hires people that also. Jobs that also helps get people the best quality talent that also feeds a black family. All those different things that kind of go into there when people don't really realize like, hey, like you hire a, a Caucasian or an Asian or whoever, that kind of an agent, you're feeding their community. Exactly. Like you might be taken care of, but it's bigger than just us, man. It's bigger than just LeBron. It's all the millions of families, the hundreds of families he can impact on a much larger scale level by giving them scale and experience and exposure as opposed to just kicking them some dollars so they can go buy some sneakers. Um, yeah. That's what Rick Ross said. Rick, Rick Ross basically said, like, I'm not giving you money, I will give you a business. I'll position you to have your own business. So the thing you can learn how to run that, you can hire your own people. What The last thing I wanted to kind of comment on is just the idea of us positioning ourselves to be able to be a resource to these athletes. And I think that's kind of what you're doing is like, it's one thing to say, like, put me on. It's another to have the skills and the resource and the experience to say, put me on because of, so, I mean, that's something I've kind of done. I'm working with a few professional athletes that have been hitting me up and I've been working with them on like our stocks and our real estate. But it's cool that you're doing the same, especially in LA. It's big because I think that you're going to give them something that has their best interest at heart. It's not something they just get a commission. It's not something just to kind of pull out because you don't really care about them. Like, it's a deeper connection. It's a more real connection it's something that i think that they need so they can so they're getting the best advice the most solidified advice and i, mean, I, I think it's awesome
0: right it, i appreciate that and you're right it is real big with that um but what you said about basically going to get it yourself and not looking for a handout i think a lot of people are afraid to do that i mean it's, it's a real big deal to say you know what instead of relying on getting this check every week i'm gonna go out and get it myself and like I said, with the world we're living in now, everybody wants it right away. The whole thing about it, though, let me tell you something. I bought a house before I bought a car. When I was working at L.A. County, I would ride the bus to work. I started working there in January 2013. Bought the house February 2014. Still didn't have a car. I didn't get my car, as you see on my post, until October 2015. So I had a property a whole year, was into a career, and didn't have a car. Most people are not going to do that. So they can, you know, do what they want to do, floss and ball, and you know, talk about things like that. But for me, it was more about the long term and thinking. Let me get some assets. Yeah, and that's not popular amongst our generation, amongst millennials. Um, got a lot of YouTube stars, Instagram stars, which is cool. But at the end of the day, it's about what are you building outside of that? Yeah, you popular. Yeah, you popping. Okay, what are you building? Are you establishing your credit? What properties are you buying? What business do you have? Because at the end of the day, you're going to be hot now, but five years from now, what is it going to look like? Like I said, taking that leap of faith, taking that risk to go get it myself, then eventually it's going to be built. Look up five years from now and be in a great position.
2: Do you think that it was easier to get that car
0: since you owned the home? Absolutely, because my credit, the credit, I got that car with no down payment. It was 2015. That was a new card. That was a 2016 brand spanking new. Mm-hmm. So the way I was able to manage my credit through my student loans, my credit cards, I had the mortgage on there It took my credit score up. So it was easier for you. It was, and I definitely was able to negotiate for the car note. My car note is about, it's 420. It was at 500 at first. That's what they wanted. I, and me, I'm frugal. I'm like, no, I'm not paying 500 like, a what, month. What can we do? Let's negotiate. Mm-hmm. And the was able to get in. I was at 420. And I was I was okay with that, and I that's I always wanted the infinity, so you know I wouldn't got something I really wanted, and understanding that it was a business move, so it was something I needed to do. So I got what I wanted, you know, for making that sacrifice of not having the car to finally being able to get one. So I got what I wanted, but yeah, um, that was definitely uh, having the house definitely made it easier to get the car because. They look at it differently versus how a mortgage looks at the things. With a mortgage, you know, they're looking at if you got a car note, what you paying on, all these other things. With the car, they're just looking at your income and your credit, you know. So if you make enough and your credit score is good enough, they're definitely going to sell you that car.
2: And having mortgage debt, especially because I know you said that when you paid off that mortgage, when you sold the house, that increased your credit score also, right? Absolutely.
0: Took it up. Took it up. The house, yeah, I got it with a, I had like a 620 credit score, which is average. First paying on it every month. Then it's finally sold it. When you pay that off, that shoots it up. Through the loan, through the paid on time. Credit cards paid on time. And then I paid my credit cards off. The balances weren't that big, you know, just kept them on there, paid them off. And then I really just shot them up. So um, on top of that, with my credit, I was able to help um, my lady get a car, you know, to co-sign for her. Which I'm not saying do that for everybody. <laughs> but I understood that, you know, she needed that vehicle. And when my credit score is going to allow for her to get it, that's going to help. That's been helping her credit score improve. And that definitely took mine up even more. So just making solid
2: moves, man. By doing things in a certain order and not like spending money on the floss, it allowed you to go further in life by elevating your credit score. Absolutely. Because
0: you got to think about it, man. Why do people floss? why do people brag and boast about themselves? That's because they don't know who they are on the inside. I don't see why if I got money, I gotta put it to my ear to make you feel less than of a man. Yeah. I don't see why I gotta show that I got the money. Cause I can get on Instagram and show money all day, but at the end of the day, that's gonna make people hate you. Yeah. The same people who feel the same way you do gonna support you and say, yes, yeah, stun on them. But at the end of the day, why not educate your community on what you're doing versus bragging about it? If you read through my posts, I don't brag about having uh, the property or being able to buy it and do those things. My thing is, if I can do it, you can. You're talking about a kid who wasn't supposed to make it. You know, no father. Saw my mother struggle. Saw my mother lose her own business. She had a daycare. Not being the well, most well-behaved kid in school. Get kicked out of just about every school I was in. So I'm not supposed to be here. You know, I got one of my best friends is in prison. My nephew is in prison. My little cousin's in prison. I'm not supposed to be here. So at the end of the day, I'm a blessing. So if I can show other young black men or other men period, or young adults that come from the hood like me, that, hey, if I can do this, you can do it. I'm not the smartest kid in the world. I'm not the brightest, but I do understand don't make the same mistakes my mother did, don't make the same mistakes my uncles and my cousins did, don't make the same mistakes my big homies did, do the opposite because at the end of the day, I didn't want to live a life like that. So for me, I'd rather take these bumps and bruises in business versus taking bumps and bruises in these streets, you know, like my homies are doing right now. So for me, that's my biggest thing because I got nieces and nephews, man. and. You know, I'm the only hope, because the world don't care for them, so I'm the only hope that they have for someone to look up to and say, you know what, what can I do with my life? Let me be like my uncle. Or if they don't want to be like me, if they want to be a doctor, a lawyer, dentist, whatever it is that they want to do, you can go do it, because if I can make it, you can make it. You know, so that's my main thing right now. So, flossing to me, it it shows signs of insecurity. Mm -hmm. That's how I feel, because especially in the time we're living in now, we need to come together versus making other people feel less than like, let's build businesses together. Let's bring that black Wall Street back. But we rather stunt on each other versus getting it together. So for me, I, I don't I don't see the point. Cause at the end of the day, you know, I believe in karma. You can get on here and, and talk that mess if you want to. God could take it away from you the next day. You can be here today going tomorrow. So I'm very humble in that. I just like to share with my people what we can do because at the end of the day you're gonna get more views and likes on instagram for some ratchet than talking some real boss stuff you know not just the way it is it's sad but that's the way it is but at the end of the day it don't matter as long as you able to inspire people and help those who need it that's all that matters dm me and comment on there on my post and say man i look up to you or i admire what you're doing that's all that matters at the end of the day the the, the assets are going to last longer than the diamonds and the partying and all that, because these people can drink Hennessy all day. I'd rather own some shares in Hennessy than been drinking it all day and then end up with liver disease when I'm in my 50s and 60s.
2: That's a good point,
0: man. Yeah, they don't think about, our generation don't think about that. With me, when you talk asking about the life insurance, when it comes to our health, and I'm talking to families, in an African-American culture, we have a lot of high blood pressure and diabetes. But if you look at other cultures, when they're in their 50s and 60s, they're retiring well and they're traveling the world and they don't have these health issues, you see? So for me, I look at all of that. And i I'd rather live life good and understand that I can take care of my family than stunting on somebody else and feeling like I got to compete with them when it's really competition. Because at the end of the day, you can be at all the parties all you want. You're doing the same thing every week. Yeah. What What are you buying? Do you own a home? Do you have good credit? Can you do something valuable for your family? That's all that matters. Because at the end of the day, all these Instagram ballers, when they do pass away, God, you know, it's not good to say that, but especially being in L.A., you see a lot of, you know, the little hood stars and they end up getting their lives taken. Their family still putting up GoFundMe's. But y'all supposed to be balling. Y'all can't pay for these services yourself. You still need us to... You know, donate when you should have had the proper life insurance in place to make sure your family's okay. God forbid you leave this earth, or to use your own money if, you, if y'all got it like that. So for me, it's, it's about the bigger picture, man. I really look up to LeBron. Um, I look up to Diddy and what they're able to do as businessmen. And I'd rather do that than worry about what's going on and who floss and who partying every weekend. That stuff gets boring and
2: tiring. So what are some burdens that you've had to overcome, and how did you get over those?
0: I mean, I think the first thing is, you know, not having a father. As a kid, you don't really understand it. But as I got older, I started to understand it when I was in high school. I mean, who wouldn't want their dad around? I didn't think about it a lot. I didn't really start thinking about it until I got to Morehouse, actually, because you would have Parents' Day. You know, my mom didn't have the money to fly out there, but just seeing the guys that I met, being there with their dads, you know, somebody they was able to, you know, shoot hoops with, go to football games with, you know, talk about real stuff with, just that you can't talk about with your mom. That's the first thing. As an adolescent, like I said, I wasn't the most well-behaved kid. That too, when you when you have a father in your life, they're able to teach you certain things. Like, I get in trouble for stupid stuff, talking back to teachers, you know, running my mouth in class, you know, just not being respectful, being mischievous. So that's a big thing. Um, in college. My obstacle, my biggest obstacle in college was um, understanding the academics because coming from Inglewood, not the best educational system. I thought I knew what I was doing when I got to college, but I really had to learn how to write, man. An analytical paper, an argumentative paper, knowing what a thesis is. In order to be in that sports journalism program, I had to be an English major. So I really had to learn how to write. So that was my biggest obstacle of getting that down. And I was able to overcome that. Um, then after that, um, just dealing with life as a young adult. You know, my mom, I take care of my mother cause she has health issues. And she's still battling her personal issues, you know, dealing with family. And then of course, getting the property, getting into business, learning how to work with tenants. Um, and right now I'm in the phase of building my financial services buildings and building my team. And just going through those stages, you know, people think it's all peaches and cream cause that's all they want to see. But right now I'm in that phase of that labor to where when I get to where I want to be, I'm able to look back and say, this is what I've been through. So the obstacles, you know, definitely prepared me. I never quit. You know, it's been times where I walked in the house and my we didn't have no food and I was able to survive that. Been times where I thought I wasn't going to make it out of Morehouse because of the academics. What I left out is when I actually went to Morehouse, I didn't have any money. I went there with no money. I went on the faith walk. I didn't have any financial aid for the first 30 days with no money for school. Um, and I w- was refusing to come back to LA. Um, I remember that day I got the finest people, with my financial aid uh, advisor, Miss Jackson. I just told her like, I'm from LA um, and I'm not going back. So we got to do something. They always say they don't have money. Then they, they do have money. She pulled up student loans and um, she gave me a couple of scholarships that they had. And she said, look, you got to keep a 3.0 every semester. If you don't, you are going back to LA. And I said, say no more. I had to maintain a 3.0 my you know my whole three years there. And I was able to do that. Let's think about this. How much money do you think the average, you know, 25, 26, 27 year old blows per month? Easy, easy, 500. If you put $500 away a month for a year, you got six racks at the end of the year. You spend that on Hennessy, the club, fast food, buying shoes and clothes that you don't really need. You spend it miscellaneously. So instead of spending it, just save it. For me, that that was the biggest obstacle, just getting through that. Um, you know, just staying connected to God, being stand, staying faithful, man, having faith, and like even right now, I'm on another faith walk. Like I said, with my business, with, with building my business since I walked away from my job. That's a big thing, you know. And being on commission, you gotta you gotta go get it. So for me, you know, I'd rather take this journey now, so two years from now, I can look up and say I did it. And be financially independent and doing whatever I want to do. Take that sacrifice because, shoot, it was just 2015, two years ago. So and I'll be all right. You know, I keep my head up and keep it moving. And for me, it's just what I have to lose. I've been, like I said, I've been able to go through school, went out there on the faith walk, got through that, had to learn how to (laughs) write. As an English major, I got through that, so I get through this too.
2: It's like they say, like, the way you do anything is the way you do everything. So what are some other examples of like you just hopping out on faith?
0: The first one was, of course, going to school without the money. Um, the second one was actually when I got home, when I graduated. I didn't start working to, for L.A. County until January 2013. I graduated from Morehouse May 2011. Mm-hmm. So I went a whole year and a half. I worked small things like um, I was a campus aid, KIPP Academy with the elementary school. But That took six months to get into. I didn't get that job till November 2011. Worked that till June 2012, then from June 2012 to January 2013, no job. And the way I survived off that is saving. When I was working that small job, putting away 500 a month. By the time I knew that job was gonna be over, at least I had money for these six months. When I ran out of money at that six months, God blessed me with that job at LA County. So at the end of the day, without struggle, there's no progress. Thing is, you know, most of us don't want to struggle. But even I don't want to struggle. But I understand. I gotta tell myself, you know, it's, it's gonna get. I've been through it before. It's gonna turn out again. You know, you can't be happy with God when things are going well, and then get mad at God when things are going wrong. You gotta have faith through that, and you gotta be thankful and humble through the through the good and the bad because. My darkest time getting out of... When I was out of school, I was frustrated. I just graduated from Morehouse. I can't get a job. Pissed, angry. And then I get the job and I'm able to have some money. Okay, then I'm able to get a property. And I'm able to get a car. And I'm able to get all these different ways to make income. Everything is all lovely. But at the end of the day, it all could have been taken from me. At the end of the day, I decided to become a full-blown entrepreneur. I wouldn't be able to talk to you like this today if I didn't have a testimony to tell. So for me... Um, it, you, you have to go through it. So that it was going to school on that faith walk, getting out of school and going on that faith walk of waiting until I finally got that career job at L.A. County. And then, like I said, right now, I'm going through it of having a business and trying to build a business and learning how to work with people, learning how to help families, building my clientele. Right now i on a faith walk, you know, so for me, those those are the, the biggest three. Um, as a young adult and then, you know, as a kid, just just surviving, you know? Just you wondering where I would be in my adult life. That's what I used to think about a lot as a kid. Where, what's gonna happen? You know, I, like I said, seeing my mother struggle, seeing the road that some of my friends were taking as far as, you know, being in the streets. That's why I can't complain. You know, I'm blessed. Come from where I come from to be able to buy a house at 24 years old. That's unheard of, you know, being being in the hood, that's unheard of. So I can't get mad when, when things aren't going my way. You know, I got to stay prayed up and just keep telling myself every day it's going to change. So for me, it's just about moving forward on the daily and understanding the bigger goal. The biggest goal for me is to own my city. Just like when people think of the Lakers, they think Magic Johnson. When you think Inglewood, I want you to think Kadeem Wells. That's all I can focus on right now. I want to own everything, the whole city. I mean that literally and figuratively. Like I want to own a lot of properties in the neighborhood, but I want you to think of the city as the face. So when people come to LA and they get off at LAX and they riding down Century and they go past the forum, I want to have my own billboard up there. You know, have a billboard of people knowing this, you know, this is where I come from.
2: So um, two quick questions and we'll wrap it up. I'll let you share um, how people get in contact with you and everything. Now, what's your favorite book?
0: You know what? I'm glad you asked that too. Uh, by being in Prime America and under my leadership with Tanya Poe, highest paid single African American woman in this company, she makes $600,000 a year. She's from Compton. She had the story I had. Um, she really got me into reading. So I actually just finished reading The Five Levels of Leadership by John Maxwell, um, talks about leadership. And um, how successful people think. And he has another book on leadership that I finished reading. I just read those three books this year. Um, and I just started reading um, Jordan Belford's book, The Guy from the Wolf of Wall Street. I just started reading his book yesterday. And then I want to read Kevin Hart's book. And I actually have a book by Shaq called Shaq Uncut that I want to read. But my favorite one, I will have to say, has to be about the leadership. So I will say that John Maxwell, uh, Five Numbers of Leadership and being that example for them. So I would say that, that's still my favorite one so far.
2: There's a lot in there. For one, I've heard a lot about Tanya Paul. I've seen her Instagram. She's living the life.
0: But when you talk about flossing, she can floss all she want, but that lady is so down to earth, so cool. For all the money she make, she never forget where she come from, man. You know, being from the hood too, that's why, you know, I relate to her so much because she's not someone who makes all this money and yeah, we're trying to get her level and she's like, Well, you gotta do what I did. No, she's in the threshold, she in the grind with us, she coaches us, she answers our phone calls at one, two in the morning. This is what she do She really there for. It. She's not like, you know, people who say they're your coach or say they're your leader and say they love you, and it's all talk. Now she cry. For her to be so tough, she's the biggest crybaby. But She's she in the threshold with us, man. And I really, really love and respect her for that. And I wouldn't have it no other way. It's nothing like having somebody who's really there for you when you going, like you say, your obstacles, your ups and downs, someone who's been through what you've been through and they can tell you it's gonna be all right.
2: Last question is, what does wealth mean to you?
0: My family never running out of money. That's the first thing. The second thing is having influence, wealthy. If, I'm a, if, I, could, if I could be worth that 500 million, if I could be worth a billion or more, I'll be able to have an influence on my community. I can fix the Inglewood the Unified School System. I can give other you know, young Black men someone to look up to that's not an athlete, to let them know, like, hey, look, we, we come from the same place. You can do this. Being able to communicate with them, you know, to walk up and down the street, talk to them versus just passing through. Being able to come to your community and not just come and leave, but actually be in this thing and, talk to the kids and actually communicate. And when I say talk to them, meaning they can call your phone and converse with you, man. I think that's big. And that's I. That's why I, I don't want to make money just to have money so I could floss or just go live my life. But I want to change my family's life and really, really have a big impact on my community. That's my main thing. All the other extra stuff, the jewelry, the diamonds, and the nice cars, all that stuff will come. Because at the end of the day, you can't take it with you but I can pass his money down to the community and to my family forever.
2: Very cool, man. So can you tell us more about what you're doing with um, your company, your business, tell people where they can find you?
0: You can find me on Instagram at Mister Wells 89 You can find me on Facebook, Kadeem Wells. I actually got to update my Twitter. I haven't actually been on it in a couple of years since I actually changed my Instagram name and I'll do that soon. But you can definitely find me on Instagram and um, Facebook. And then my Snapchat, I have to change that too, but it's uh, Dizzle D I Z Z L E underscore nineteen eighty nine. Um, I'll change that soon to more something more professional. <laughs> but um, that's where you guys can find me. Anyone can DM me. Anyone want to talk about investments, real estate? I'm, I'm down for the conversation. Um, and I really want to, you know, give you a shout out for having me on here. It's crazy that you actually be on this podcast because when you think about dreams, um, I follow Gary V. And he always says, you know, when you start out with those small interviews, you know, put it on YouTube. You don't know who's gonna watch it, even if it's one view. Being in America it actually led me to this. I was on a TV show. That's something I always wanted to do was talk in front of people, be on TV. So you never know where your dreams and goals are actually gonna come through. I really wanted to do it in sports and entertainment, but it's coming through business. And this is the, the first start. And hopefully we can man really do something in person and record it, starting to work on a series. I started recording last week. I'm just gonna upload something every Sunday night of what we talked about. I'm just gonna, it'll be a question that I already I'm asking myself. And I'm just gonna elaborate on it, you know, about where I come from, what I've been through So that's what I'm actually starting up. So you, you know, I appreciate you for this, man. Hopefully we can connect, you know, and actually sit down and talk in person sometime and really build in and network on a few things, man, because I think this is big having this podcast, you know, that's, a, I love talking to people. I love being on the camera and if I can, you know, make an impact on my community, that that's, that's the main thing I want to do, man.
2: Very cool, man. Thank you for coming on the show. Um, I mean, it's cool to see somebody that's in that South LA area that has that right mindset and wants to get back to the community. Isn't big on the flash is big on having money for the sake of actually improving things for people. Right. So, I mean, that's definitely what I'm about hundred percent, um, we follow a lot of the same people. I watch yeah. a lot of, yeah, watch a lot of uh, Jay Morrison. Yeah. So, so, a lot of things you're saying, I'm like, yeah, I, I get it. I get it. So, um, yeah, this is episode number 38 slash 39. We'll be in context. Thank you for coming on the show. And, uh, yeah, take care, man.
0: Appreciate it. Y'all be good out there.